If you have your Bibles, turn with me to James chapter 2. We'll be in verses 1 through 13 this morning as we look at the partiality in the kingdom of God. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to James chapter 2, 1 through 13. If you don't mind this morning as we read this passage of scripture, if you wouldn't mind standing with me as we read God's word aloud together. James chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. If you uh, get there in your Bibles, if you would go ahead and stand up with me. I'm going to read alongside and you can follow along in your copy of God's word as we read James chapter 2, starting in verses 1 and we'll go through verse 13 together. It's appearing on your screen, but if you have your Bible, if you would pull it out and let's use it and follow along together. James chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. My brothers, James writes, my brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and says, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man, and are the rich not the ones who oppress you and drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You're doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. Whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. For he said, do not commit adultery. Also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word. We pray this morning that your word would refine us and shape us and mold us evermore into your image. With the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, would it be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, Lord? You are our rock and our redeemer. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can have a seat. Uh, I was looking over uh, partiality this week, just reading what other pastors and teachers have said about partiality, and I came across Dr. Chuck Swindoll share a story about a particular time in his life that he showed a little bit of partiality and judgment in his heart. He shared about uh, going and preaching a week-long conference in California. He, he came that morning, and uh, he was set to preach that Sunday night. And after the morning worship service in which he attended, he had this uh, guy come up to him and profusely share his excitement and encouragement about hearing Dr. Chuck Swindoll preach. He said, Dr. Swindoll, I have traveled a great distance, and I cannot wait to hear you preach. I cannot wait to open God's word. I am, I am just on, I am so excited to hear you open up God's word and give us God's word. We've traveled a long distance. We cannot wait to hear what you have to say this entire week. We'll be here every night in the front row ready to listen. And so as a pastor, you can't get more higher praise than somebody saying, I'm going to sit in the front row and I'm going to listen to every word you got to say. And so as this Dr. Swindoll began to preach, he looked down in the front row. And he saw this enthusiastic brother begin to nod off a little bit. He began to kind of have that, 
that head nod, not in agreement, but in uh, waking up every once in a while. And he's, Dr. Swindoll, just preaching his heart out. And this brother, by the end of the service, is fast asleep. Well, Dr. Swindoll began to think, well, I bet he had a long drive in. I bet he, he just, you know, was really tired from a long drive. And so the next night, Dr. Swindoll is preaching his heart out. And there on the front row is this brother, and he begins to nod off again. And he's just catching himself, but trying to pay attention, but catching himself. And by the end of the service, he is, again, dead asleep. Dr. Swindoll began to write about how he just, he began to get frustrated, man. This guy came up to him and said how excited he was. And here he is on the front row, not even in the back row. He's on the front row sleeping. And the next night, the same thing. Wednesday night, fast asleep. Thursday night, didn't even make it through the first five minutes, fast asleep. And by Saturday night, Dr. Swindoll is beside himself. I mean, he can barely preach. He's looking at this, this guy on the front row, fast asleep. And he's beginning to think, what is up with this guy? I mean, he said he was coming in from a long distance. What is going on? What is this man's problem? How could this man do this? He's on the front row. Why didn't he move to the back and he can sleep all he wants to? Why is he on the front row sleeping? How, how disrespectful to me as the preacher. After that final uh, service, the lady who was seated next to the man came up to him and he began, she began to say, Dr. Swindoll, you have no idea what your messages have meant to me and my husband. And Dr. Swindoll's looking at her like, I'm about to tell her a thing or two. I mean, she's sleeping, he's sleeping on the front row. She needs to get her husband in order, right? I mean, sleeping right in front of me. And this lady with tears in her eyes said, you have no idea what this week has meant. Last week, my husband was given two weeks to live. He got terminal cancer. And he wanted to be on the front row to hear you give God's word because he desperately needs God's word. She said that, that the medicine the doctor gave him is reducing his pain, but it's making him sleepy. And he wanted to make sure that you knew that he was so sorry that he couldn't stay awake. And Dr. Swindoll said he like slithered off the ground, picked himself up, felt about this small. There the whole week he was angry and frustrated that this brother would be sleeping through his sermons and had no idea that this man with the last two weeks of his life wanted to spend it hearing God's word spoken and taught, and he was so sad that he couldn't stay awake. And this morning, as we look at the peril of partiality, the frustration of judging other people, I want to let that ring in our hearts and souls because I believe that if we're honest, we would have those moments of partiality in our own souls, those moments of judgmental actions and character, because I also believe this morning that if everything I read from James chapter 1, nobody in this room would say, you know, I don't think I agree with that. I think we would all with one accord say, you know, if a brother came into our midst with a gold ring and was very wealthy, we would treat them the same way as we would treat a lowly or poor brother. I think we would all agree to that. I think we would agree that partiality is not right and we should not do it. Essentially, I could stand up here and say, hey guys, today, don't show partiality. All right, don't do it. All right, let's pray and get out of here, all right? I mean, I could do that, right? I mean, that's it's very much in bounds. It's what the Word says. Don't show partiality. You're committing sin. I could easily say, don't show partiality. All right, let's go to lunch early. We're going to beat the Methodist, all right? Let's get out of here. But nevertheless, there's a lot for us to unpack, and there's a lot for us to learn within the pages of James' writing. Yes, it's as simple as do not show partiality, but a same question that sometimes your kids ask you, why, Mom, why, Dad? Sometimes you have a great answer. Sometimes you don't have a good one, right? But in this case, 
there, there's a lot to be said for why partiality is particularly grievous, why we should run from it, why we should flee from it. So let's look, number one, and let's see our souls, see souls, excuse me, through a biblical lens. See individuals, see souls, three people, through a biblical lens. My hope today, my hope for all of us as we leave this place is that we would look at people the same way that God does. That we would see people created in the image of God. We know Romans 2 tells us that God shows no partiality. So our goal is that we would recognize as people made in the image of God, that we would look at people made in the image of God with value and worth and, and not doing what James would unpack for us. So let's look at the why. Let me give you a, a quick word from James, first John, excuse me, first Samuel chapter 16. If you remember what was going on in 1 Samuel, you know that Saul had been rejected as king. Saul had been rejected as king and God had sent Samuel out to find the new king of his people. You remember the old familiar story, the wonderful story of Samuel calling Jesse and the brothers up and lining them up. And I want you to imagine for a moment that you're in that position, that you are now Samuel and you've lined up the brothers and what would you be expecting in a king? What would you want? I, I would imagine we would all want a strapping guy who feels like a warrior, who's ready to go out and fight battles, this warrior king, this good-looking, handsome, wise individual who's going to go out and lead with force God's people. Right? You know the story well. It's a great story for your kids. You line them up right there, and they first, you go, First Samuel 16, it says, when they came, he looked at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's appointed it is before us. Right, Samuel's thinking the same thing, right? Surely this big strapping young man, this is God's guy. After all, it's the first person. I'm looking for signs. Surely God would give me the first person, right? He's going to be it. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. Now pull in real close. This is so important. Get this real close. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. If I could walk us away with one passage that would be our theme to leave this place, it's this right here. It's connecting James to right here in 1 Samuel. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, on the, the nature of his temporary things, on the things that have so little eternal weight. Man looks at the outward appearance, but here it says, but the Lord looks on the heart. Can I tell you, this is not an easy thing for us to do. This is not easy. This is not easy for our goal to be like God, to look at the people's hearts, to look and see people the way that God sees them. So let's look then, let's digest a little bit of what happens in partiality. Let's see the game plan of partiality. Let's see the perils of partiality. Let's see the problems of partiality. That's the only two Ps I got there. So let's go forward with the perils and the problem of partiality. And we're going to go A, B, C, and D. All right? And here's the deal. I, I want to go ahead and disclose to you, I've plagiarized these completely, okay? This is, I'm plagiarizing, but I'm plagiarizing the Bible, all right? So I think it's in bounds, I think, maybe not. All right, so I'm plagiarizing these straight from the Bible. These are coming straight from James, all right? So these are the problems coming straight from James, not from Mark's best thoughts. These are straight from James. What happens in partiality? Number one, or letter A, is we create our own distinctions, the first problem with partiality, the issue that God has and James has with partiality is we then create our own distinctions. We create divisions or distinctions based on temporary and temporal things that have little to no eternal weight attached to them. 
gold rings, gold earrings, nice clothes. We create distinctions. In James, we see wealth is a distinction that is easily distinctable in our culture. Let me give you a few more that may help. Right, these are things that I know I have wrestled with as I have unpacked this for two weeks now to think, Mark, in my own soul, where are places and situations in which I demonstrate even subtly distinctions? It's possible in jobs. When we ask people, hey, what do you do? What, what kind of job do you have? It's possible in our culture to assign either more worth to people who have jobs that we deem as important and worthy and less important people that we deem have jobs that are less worthy and noble. In our own souls, we can see people as worthy or unworthy based on a job that they may have. It's possible for high schoolers and college students and those getting master's and secondary degrees that maybe where you go to school would create distinctions amongst you. Maybe if you go to a school that I didn't go to or you're not in my alma mater or I think your school is not as good as my school, I can all of a sudden either elevate myself or denigrate you. Sometimes on a ball field, we can get a little feisty with how we feel about other people and the distinctions we make based on a jersey that they may wear. Maybe if somebody has education or doesn't have education or has more education or less education, we can begin to create our own distinctions for these things that are temporary and temporal, that don't demonstrate the heart of a person. What are some others? Maybe the kind of car a person drives, the size of a person's home or the neighborhood in which they live in, what type of toys that they have. By toys, I mean things like cell phones and gadgets and all sorts of things that a person may have. We can create partiality or distinctions based on a language that a person speaks or a country of origin that a person is from. And you see the affront to God's character and nature to love everybody as made into his image when we create and craft our own distinction based on such temporary and temporal things which will lead us to be why this is such an issue and from God's word is because we become judges with evil thoughts. Right? You see, have you not then made distinctions amongst yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? We were never meant to be judges of people's hearts and character, but we are called to be, in verse 8, if you really fulfill the royal law according to Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. This is our calling. See, this is I'm thankful in the book of James. James just doesn't say don't show partiality. He says this is the better thing to chase after. It's not just don't show partiality. It's love your neighbors as you love yourself. And as you do that, you will avoid the pitfalls of partiality. Just came up with another one right on the spot. The pitfalls of partiality, Right? We're doing this together. So we create distinctions and we become judges with the evil thoughts. We are not meant to be the judges of the external qualifications of a person's worth based on what we perceive in it. We become judges with evil thoughts we begin to say, this person is worthy, this person is not worthy, this person should sit at my table, this person should sit at my feet. And friends, this is a dangerous place for us to be, to be judges in a place that we are not meant to be, which would lead us to see that we dishonor the poor. 
As we do this and as we either call people to be less than or more than, we dishonor the poor, the very people made in the image of God who have a, a, a blessed place. I mean, look at what verse 5 said. Listen, my beloved brothers, has God not chosen those who are poor in this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom? We, by being judges with evil thoughts, dishonor the poor. That's a dangerous game to play, that we would elevate rich, we would elevate distinctions that we find more value in while dishonoring people who God obviously has his hand of favor upon. Culturally, we would not see this. Culturally, we would not have a hand of favor on the poor, but God certainly does. And so when we dishonor them, friends, we are dishonoring someone who is made in the image of God. And if I could sum everything up, it's going to be in letter D. If you don't believe in dishonoring the poor or becoming judges with evil thoughts, at least hear this very clearly. In verse 9, it says, but if you show partiality, you are committing sin. I mean, simply put, this is what D says, we are sinning. When we show and demonstrate partiality, if nothing else hits home in your heart, know that we are sinning against the most holy God. I mean, that's the simplicity of it. Partiality is sin. It's sinning. When we have these distinctions, when we look at people differently, when we treat people with favoritism or non-favoritism, we are sinning. I can't think of any easier way to sum it up for us. We're sinning. And it's here from God's Word that we can see also that we may have this inclination in our heart to say, well, Mark, come on. It's not, it's not that big of a deal, right? I mean, I'm just asking somebody to sit at a nice table or I just, I'm better friends with these people or we have more in common. Mark, it's not, I mean, it's not murder. It's not, it's not adultery, right? It's not that big of a deal. And we all have this tendency, so I'm putting myself right alongside you, that we all have this tendency to say, well, it's not that bad. I mean, God, I got, a, I got a, a lot of other fish to fry here. I got a lot of other bigger things going on. This isn't really that big of a problem. So, I mean, just let me, let me hang with it for a little while, okay? I'm not really that urgent to get rid of it. Let's look at number two. Let's unpack it for a moment. We need to see for a moment the reality of our transgressions and why even partiality, even all sin, is an affront to the character and nature of God. You see in verse 10 and 11, you're convicted by the law as transgressors for whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. Now, this is a little bit heavy, right? If we commit, if we transgress against one part of the law, we're guilty of all of it. Let me just stop for a moment. Let's, let's create a hypothetical situation here, if you don't mind. Work with me on this imagination opportunity. Let's just say that I'm feeling particularly generous and um, I decide to give every family in our church maybe $150,000 to go pick out a new car. We're, we're getting some nice cars in this place, all right? Let's just say that I have this money that I do not, that I'm going to give to every family in our church to go pick out a new car. Let's just imagine, what car are you picking out? You're going to the dealership today. I mean, some of you are going out buying these top-of-the-line trucks. Some of you are buying these nice uh, SUVs. I bet a lot of you are going and buying the latest and greatest minivan that money can buy. Everybody say amen. Somebody out there. Somebody would, right? I know you would. 
But let's just say you've got 150000 to spend on a car, so you're going and sparing no expense, right? You're getting the leather seats. You're getting the heated leather seats and the cooled leather seats, right? You're getting that little thing where you can be in your house and click the button and the car starts from a distance to keep yourself nice. You're getting the heated steering wheel, right? You're getting the navigation and all the little bells and whistles. You're getting the, the massive horse-powered engine. All the horses are powering your engine, and you can go super fast on all your high-speed chases that I know you're going on, right? Your miles per gallon are through the roof. You're doing, I mean, you're getting the top-of-the-line car, right? Let's imagine that car is sitting at your house today. You've invited all the neighbors over to do the thing that they used to do, is pop the hood and look at all the things that you don't understand how any of it works, Right? And you're just looking at this car. You're marveling at all the little things that happen in your car. You turn on the lights inside the cabin to show people the nice fine grain leather stitching. And you're showing them the sound system, which is super nice and really, really uh, thumps, right? I mean, it's just a really nice system. Let's say you're so excited. You go inside. You go to sleep looking forward to tomorrow when you can get out of bed, press the little button, and the car cranks up, and you can get into your nicely warm seats in your car. Let's say tomorrow happens, and you click the button, and nothing happens. Your $150,000 car all of a sudden will not start because you left the lights on, and your battery is dead, right? Your $150,000 car is not getting you anywhere. Right, it's done. A $200 battery is now stopping your car from leaving the driveway, going anywhere, and doing anything, right? This one simple part of your car has destroyed the whole thing. It's, it's a big old piece of metal in your driveway, worthless to do anything that it was meant to do. It's just a big piece of metal in your driveway missing a $200 battery that any old car could have. When you begin to think about one transgression... And I know for us it feels weighty. It's, it's just a car battery. It's not that big of a deal, right? It's just a battery. I can go to AutoZone and pick them up for 200 bucks. It's not a big deal. Look at the engine. Look at this perfect engine. Look at the leather seats. Look how perfect they are. But friends, without the battery, my $150 brand uh, or $1,000 Honda Accord goes a lot farther than yours does. When you look at one thing, one sin, is enough to separate us from an eternity with God. One part makes us a transgressor of the law. And at this point, we should feel the weight of that. We should feel the weight of our transgressions, whether it's partiality, whether it's bitterness and wrath, whether it's envy, whether it's adultery, whether it's murder, whatever it is, one sin is enough to eternally separate us from God as a transgressor of the law can hear it's where we should feel the heaviness of what James is saying but let's continue on because there's hope ahead number three give the grace that we have freely received verse 12 says so speak and act as those who are be to be judged under the law of liberty for judgment is without mercy to those who have shown no mercy this is the heartbeat of why partiality is such an issue is that we recognize that we've all been a transgressor of the law. We are all deeply in need of a Savior, that we cannot do it on our own. Our battery is far too gone. Our engine is far too stale, that we have died apart in our sin. And the only hope that we have is Jesus. That's it. We've been judged under the law of liberty and the grace that we have been given, not our works, but our grace that God has given us. We've been judged under the law of liberty. And the issue with partiality the problem and the peril and the pitfall of partiality 
is that we long for grace that we then refuse to give to others. We want the grace in our lives. We want the blessing in our lives. We want people to treat us with respect and dignity, not looking at our external composition. We want people to give us grace. We want God to give us grace and blessing, but then uh, creating distinctions and judges with evil thoughts, we then refuse to give it to other people. You see, the why of partiality is far beyond just, hey, don't go and do it, but it's far greater and deeper that we would give the same grace that we have freely received, that we live in it, we dwell in it, and we move forward in it. This morning, our goal is to see souls through a biblical lens, that we would not look to the external composition, but we would look to the heartbeat and look for Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you for your word, which is always instructive and helpful and clear. Oh, Lord, your word is so clear to us today that we would not have the sin of partiality in our hearts, that we would love people. We would fulfill the royal law to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. So, Lord, help us to do that in the subtle ways in our own soul in which distinctions can creep up. Would you teach us and show us where they are so that we can remove them from our hearts? Or we're guilty of it in ways that at times we don't even see, so help us to see it. But not just help us see it, Lord. Help us remove it and give and extend the same grace by which we desperately need ourselves. Thank you that we are judged under the law of liberty, that there is freedom in the liberty of your law. Lord, this morning we just ask your help. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.